after I had this like really significant event in my life where things changed so dramatically, where I lost things that I valued, there's this process of sort of like grieving almost and then processing and understanding. At least that was what I went through where I was like, how did I end up here? Right? Like, how did things just go so wrong? Right? And so it's a lot of reflection and a lot of thinking. And I think traveling helped a lot with that because I removed myself from my circumstances where everyone that I knew and all the circumstances that normally influenced me were just not really impacting me at that moment. And so, you know, you're in this foreign country, you don't know anyone, and you do this for a long period of time, and it allows you to really reflect without the influence of your friends or family or existing lifestyle. All right, everybody, welcome back. Today, I'm speaking with Amir Amin. He's the VP of Product and Project Management at Chainsafe. He's also very passionate about self-exploration, and he's a volunteer at a suicide hotline. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, fascinating. So you you were telling me in our initial conversation, we actually met about seven or eight months ago in Hawaii, and I really enjoyed our conversation then. It seems like you've learned a lot from going to really dark places yourself, and it seems like that also ties into, you know, your work in a, at a suicide hotline and holding space for people going through difficult experiences. And I really would like to talk about what you have learned through your own difficult experiences in life and how that's impacted your life, your business, and your relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think about this quite a lot because, you know, regardless of who we are, or where we're at in life, like it's pretty inevitable that we'll have difficult moments. And how we respond to that can really set the tone for your life. And, you know, looking back on my life at this point, I think about, you know, a lot of the growth that's come. And it always seems to have come from uh, difficult experiences. And, you know, it's like talking about like volunteering at at the suicide hotline, that that's really a manifestation of going through difficult experiences with friends and family who are suffering from mental health crises and learning about myself through that and learning about the world through that and then like a lot of growth coming from that and the same thing sort of led me to where I'm at today with my uh, career and my job which I'm very grateful to sort of have a, a fulfilling career at this point although it wasn't always that way and you know about five years ago I had I guess like a very difficult set of experiences that happened in a very short amount of time you know at uh I was in a serious long-term relationship and, you know, I suddenly found out that my partner had been cheating on me for quite some time. And so that ended at that moment. And then six days later, I got laid off from my job at at the time, which was not one that I was quite engaged with, but it's both of those things happening at the same time. While it seems like something really tragic and it was difficult, it actually led to all the beauty in my life and all the beautiful experiences, people, relationships that have come since. And so for me, I look at difficult experiences in my life not as um, something negative, but rather a catalyst for growth. And oftentimes, the deeper the struggle, the more growth that follows. So that's how I see things now. And it's it's really helped me a lot because, you know, you, at this point, I don't necessarily avoid or fear difficult times because I know that there's a lot of positive that can come out of it. So you mentioned that you 
a lot of the the beauty in your life came after having these losses. And I'm curious, what was it prior to this reflection that you had that made it that you weren't experiencing the beauty that you had? Or what was going on there that you weren't able to see this prior to having that experience? Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting question. I think, you know, growing up when we're younger, depending on your upbringing, but I think generally in society, we tend to associate our happiness or satisfaction with external circumstances, right? Whether it be, you know, how much money you're making, you know, what kind of lifestyle you have, other materialistic things. And I think that's quite normal in today's society. And so we often think that difficult experiences when we lose something or someone that we really care about or um, we have some other unpleasant experience that like, you know, it's something that we shouldn't be happy about because, you know, these external circumstances are not in a great state. And so I think that's, you know, how a lot of us grow up and a lot of a perspective a lot of us have. However, and so, you know, I had that experience and, and sort of perspective as well before. But, you know, as I went through life and sort of learned more about myself, learn more about what I truly value, you know, so I think part of it is really understanding what you value in life instead of what we're told to value. So instead of valuing, say, these external things, um, I started valuing more my internal state, like my state of mind, and in general, peace of mind. I mean, I think this came from studying, you know, philosophy and like, you know, kind of pursuing spirituality. So, you know, kind of going down that path allowed me to change what I valued in the world or in myself or in my life. And then subsequently that allowed me to see difficult experiences differently rather than being something to avoid because they're kind of creating unfortunate external circumstances. They became something that I could even appreciate or look forward to because instead of valuing these external circumstances, I started valuing growth and just like my state of mind as a whole. So it sounds like what you're saying is that you had a, uh, like there was a sense of comfort that you had in having your life going the way that you'd been taught uh, to value, to value life. And when you lost that, it gave you an opportunity to inquire into your values and find deeper values than just the external world and the external uh, possessions and the job and the, the metrics of success that you had had before. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it takes going through things in order to have those realizations, right? Because until you actually go through things, it's much more easy to take what other people tell you at face value and say, yeah, like, you know, you, if you have this nice house and you have, you know, this car and this lifestyle, then then you're going to be happy, right? And that's often what we're sold through marketing and advertising and whatnot. But, you know, what happened for me is, you know, the life I was living before having some of these difficult experiences, although it was great and it had a lot of these external circumstances sort of satisfied, it there were still parts of me that felt unfulfilled or felt like there was something more. And then actually going through difficult experiences where maybe you lose things or you struggle with different emotions, you realize that those things don't really matter that much, right? And that's when you're faced with the reality that, hey, like, I can have all these things and still not feel so great or so fulfilled. And then, you know, in my case, I realized that after, you know, I had the loss of this like serious relationship and the loss of this job, and I felt like so much of what people value in life, whether it's relationship and career, I literally lost it. And then the time that followed when I started traveling, and sort of just kind of living life in a much more simple way, like just really trying to enjoy my time, you know, whether it's a week, a month or a year where I, I said, look, I'm not going to focus on, 
getting a job right now or getting in a relationship. I just want to enjoy my life, um, which obviously I was very fortunate to be in a position to do so. It allowed me to real like see that it wasn't the job or my career job or relationship that makes me happy because some of the happiest moments I had in my life were just when I had no job and no relationship and I was just traveling the world, learning about myself and connecting with people. And so I think having these experiences helped me realize that, wait, maybe all the things that I was taught and all the things that were told would make me happy are not really the things that make me happy. And actually, it's like more about about connection and connecting with people, having deep experiences in the world and just growing as a person and learning about myself is something that brings me fulfillment. And so it's these experiences that help me kind of understand what I value. And it's not that what I value is what everyone will value, right? But it's more so that I had enough different experiences to start to understand for myself, you know, what I truly value rather than just like taking things that I'm told to value. Right. So I'm curious to what extent you're not having yet been in contact with these values and being in attachment and resistance to to experiencing loss. To what extent did that lead you into actually the situation of losing your your partner and your job, if at all? Yeah, that's a really good question. I haven't really thought about it. Or being in the wrong ones to begin with, staying in, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I don't know if I've thought about it in that way, but I think they're definitely connected, right? Because, you know, after, you, you know, I had this like really significant event in my life where, or events where things change so dramatically, where I lost things that I valued, there's this process of sort of like grieving almost, and then processing and understanding, at least that was what I went through, where I was like, how did I end up here? Right? Like, how did things just go so wrong? Right? And so it's a lot of reflection and a lot of thinking. And I think traveling helped a lot with that, because I removed myself from my circumstances where everyone that I knew and all the circumstances that normally influenced me were just not really impacting me at that moment. And so, you know, you're in this foreign country, you don't know anyone, and you do this for a long period of time, and it allows you to really reflect without the influence of your friends or family or existing lifestyle. And, you know, through that reflection, I began to understand, okay, I wasn't really engaged with my job. I wasn't really putting in 100%, you know, and why was I not doing that? And with my relationship, it was like, I was so blind to so many things that was were happening during that relationship that I didn't even see this coming, right? Which is just me, yeah, just, just a lack of awareness, really. And so by piecing together what happened both for my relationship and for my job, I began to understand perhaps, you know, the way I was approaching relationships or the way I was approaching my job was not actually a way that would create the results that I would like to see because obviously it didn't, right? And so that's what led to my further growth and learning. Well, it was like, okay, well, I didn't really understand my partner in that situation and I wasn't able to support her in the way that she needed during these times, right? And so that taught me to, okay, like maybe I should learn more about, you know, being in a relationship or communication in general and develop my awareness of my own emotions and other people's emotions so I can connect with people um, on a deeper level, right? And then with my work, for example, I realized like I was working at a bank for all the wrong reasons, right? Like why was I there? Um, I was clearly not engaged, right? Uh, these were all questions I had to ask myself. And what I realized is, you know, I was working at a bank for superficial reasons. I wanted a comfortable life with, 
you know, um, good benefits and just like the potential to make money. Whereas like, I didn't really care about, um, the people that I was working with that much. Like I wasn't able to develop deep connections in that culture. And I also had, I didn't care at all about what I was working on, which was basically helping rich people make more money. And so like, it was like just such a wake up call to, you know, rethink how I approached relationships, work and just life in general in order to actually get results that were more aligned with my values. And so, yeah, that was a great question to just think about how going through that actually helped me realize that the way I was approaching things before was just not in line with really who I am as a person. Yeah. And something, something else that's interesting about these kinds of dark night of the soul stories is that, you know, often we have to reach some kind of a rock bottom before we get snapped out of our destructive patterns, out of our dissociative blindness towards a part of our reality. And for some people, that rock bottom is just something really subtle. They're like, oh, wow, I realized that for the past week, I've been feeling disconnected from my partner. And then they bring themselves back into alignment. And for others, it's a far deeper rock bottom, including a loss of you know, everything they care about in their life and wallowing in it for a while before they pick the pieces back up. And so I'm curious for you, if you're looking back on this portion of your life, with what you know now and what you've experienced now, how would you approach this so that your rock bottom would be sooner? You might notice that you were in the job that you didn't want to be in earlier, rather than kind of staying in it until it just didn't work out in a more spectacular way. Yeah, that that's a really great question. I think like the key there is First of all, I think there's like multiple aspects to this. One is like, I think you really need to understand yourself and your values really well in order to know when you've strayed, right? And the the more clearly you understand your values and the more clearly you understand yourself, it's the more apparent it is when things are not in line. So, so I think that's the first step. And going through these more intense bottoms can help you really understand that these more intense emotions, these more intense experiences really help us understand our values more than just like when we're in our comfort zone. And then also doing like further exploration and understanding of ourselves through different practices. It could be, you know, through things like meditation retreats, uh, like Vipassana, which I've done a couple of, or psychedelic experiences where you really get to dive internally more, or just like having more varied experiences and, and experiencing different cultures, different people, different situations. And with all this, like these different data points, you can really kind of triangulate where you fall in all of that, right? And so I think that's one part of the equation is just understanding yourself and your values really well. And then I think the other part is also constant reflection, right? Because, you know, understanding your values is not good enough if you're not actually reflecting to see where you stand at any given point. And it's really hard in today's world, you know, where there's like constant stimulation, we're always consuming things, we're busier than ever when it comes to work, that we don't really have a lot of time to reflect. Or maybe that it's not that we don't have enough time, but it's not something that's really encouraged in this world. I mean, you know, everybody's making money off of our intention, right? And so it's like all the incentives are kind of stacked against us to create this time for reflection. So I would say that it's really important to really carve out that time as a priority to reflect both on like a daily basis, even in short spurts, and like on like, like a longer term basis, like um, one practice that has kind of fallen off for me lately, but I was doing for maybe like two years, and I thought it was really great is um, every quarter, 
I would just rent like this like cabin sort of in nature uh, where I could go for three days and I would completely disconnect from like all technology for that time. I would take a journal um, and just like just see what happens, right? And it could just be me spending time with myself and just hanging out and having fun. But, you know, most of the time it resulted in just the opportunity to reflect and just think about how things are going. And, you know, I would always leave feeling energized and with like ideas and intentions for how to shift things in my life, even if it's just slightly. And so I would say having these rituals, whether it's like, you know, a daily reflection practice where you spend 10 minutes reflecting on your day or like, you know, a weekly practice or like a quarterly practice where it's like a little bit deeper or even like, you know, much deeper in like doing like a 10 day meditation retreat or like a psychedelic retreat or something like that. I think, you know, building in these rituals that allow us to reflect while also knowing our values really well will allow us to, you know, catch ourselves more quickly when we kind of stray from our values um, rather than, you know, really letting that go on for a long time till it becomes like a nuclear explosion. Right. Another thing I'm curious about is how to make reflection not be something that requires external situations, uh, like in the same way that you were talking about earlier, to say, oh, I need to take a meditation retreat right now to get my head straight, you know, or I, I need to create a ritual to, I need to travel in order to reflect. And I'm curious, you know, they, they say in meditation that, you know, if you're doing it, you could be doing it all day in the midst of whatever you're doing, even while having an argument or a negotiation or working out or or just being in fear or anxiety. You can be aware and be reflecting in that anxiety. And so I'm, I'm curious for you to, if you hadn't been able to travel, if you didn't have time, if you felt like you know, let's say you were raising a family of five kids and you needed to feed them and you just had not an ounce of time to make ends meet. How, with what you have learned from this experience, would you approach that reflection so that you could stay in contact with your values? Right. I think it becomes a lot harder at that point because I think a necessary, like time and space is, is necessary for um, reflection, I think. And it depends on the degree of reflection you're looking to do. I think a very simple practice, you know, if, if someone can have 10 or 15 minutes in a day or even five minutes, right, to just have some time alone where they sit somewhere uh, and, and just like take a pen and paper and just like sh journal, right, or sh think about things on a deeper level. And then I think, you know, there's not a huge barrier to entry there. I mean, anyone should be able to find like five or 10 minutes in a day to just take a pen and paper and, and write and just like um, let the thoughts flow. I really like this practice that I read about in a book called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, I believe, which is called Morning Pages. Yeah, I know a couple of people going through that right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible, right? And and yeah, so one, like, I mean, the the idea of the book or the program is just like to explore yourself and your creativity through the practice of writing um, and it's like I think it's a 12-week course that you do through this book or something like that and one of the pillars of that program is this morning pages and I think her recommendation is you do this first thing in the morning and you spend you write three pages uh, without stopping without any interruption and just it's like a stream of consciousness writing whatever comes to mind you just put it onto paper and the idea behind making it three pages is so that 
we get below the surface in your thoughts and start going a little bit deeper and deeper and deeper. And so, you know, I've done this practice for, you know, periods of time. And I found that it's that in itself is super powerful, right? You don't necessarily need to, you know, go to a meditation retreat or travel or do whatever um, to get the benefits of reflection. It can be as simple as just taking a pen and paper and giving yourself you know, 10, 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes a day to reflect. Um, and, and it's not even reflecting. It's more so just understanding what's happening already inside, but becoming more aware of it and acknowledging it. And I think that in itself can be so powerful. Yeah, I think something that I want to double click on there is that it's not even so much about thought, it's about reflecting on what is going on inside. And it sounds like you're speaking of internal sensing, like sensing into the body. And I'm curious to what extent your relationship to thought and your relationship to feeling in your body has shifted throughout this journey? Yeah, that's a really great question because most of us don't really think about our body when it comes to understanding how we're thinking about something or how we're feeling about something. And, you know, I think it was doing Vipassana, which is like a a pretty common 10-day silent meditation retreat that many people have gone through that that I know of and uh, I've done it twice and the I I think this is like I I took this away from vipassana which is that you know our mind and body are so intertwined that often you know thoughts have some representation in our body or feelings have some representation in our body and even more specifically how our breathing is related to our thoughts and what I learned from vipassana is that Anytime our breathing is irregular, that's a sign that our mind is maybe not at peace, right? And so, you know, when we get anxious, oftentimes we are breathing and our heartbeat speeds up, right? And then, yeah, that's definitely a symptom of anxiety. Or, you know, the same thing happens when we're excited about something. We, we are not necessarily breathing normally anymore or angry. And so once I learned this, I started... Um, to pay more attention to things that were happening in my body, whether it's my breath or just tension in general in my body. And sometimes I'll actually notice a state of change in my breath or my body before I notice that like, I'm feeling anxious or stressed or worried about something. And so it's so interesting because being able, it gives us another window into what's going on. And so if I notice that my breathing's changed, I'll immediately ask myself, okay, what's going on? Am I feeling something, some sort of strong emotion. And usually that allows me to start uncovering what's happening. So it's just really like a signal, right? It's It tells you, hey, look, like there's something going on here. And by being aware of what's happening in our body, we can often like understand what's happening in our mind. And I think an important piece there is that that's something that can be available to you in any moment. You know, you don't need to pause the meeting, leave and go meditate for a while and then come back. You can be in the middle of a conversation and notice where your attention is and place some attention in your body. And that can be the beginning of recognizing what your internal state is and how that might be connected to your thoughts and what, you know, how you may be out of alignment with your values or out of alignment with your authenticity or your truth and just feel it and let that update in your system in real time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's such a useful tool. Like you said, you know, especially like with work, 
and relationships, it's so, I mean, they're, they can be intense and they can bring up lots of emotions because we're so invested in these things. And, you know, when we're, when we're reacting to emotions, whether it be, you know, anger or stress or frustration or disappointment, when we react without realizing that we are feeling these things, we often act in a way that's not in line with our values. And that's a really dangerous thing because that can lead to disconnect, right? When we do that, we, we actually create more space between us and others. And I mean, that's not what we want, right? But that's what happens. So by becoming more aware of what's happening in our body and happening in our mind, we're able to hopefully not react as much because hey, you can say, hey, look, I'm starting to feel this, like my breath changing. I'm starting to feel some sort of, you know, stress, frustration, whatever it may be. Maybe I should just slow down. Maybe I should take a step back. Maybe I should even like say, hey, let's talk about this later because I know that I'm being impacted by my emotions right now. And I think doing that has been super helpful for me at in work, especially because, yeah, it's it's a high pressure environment. And, you know, we're working so closely with people. The last thing we want to do is create conflict. And that happens quite often. I'm, we've all experienced it. But by having this... Conflict arises, no matter what. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But by having this window into how we're feeling, we can do a much better job of actually ensuring that we're not reacting to emotions, but rather that we're the energy and everything that we're putting out into the world is more in line with our values. So to, I, w- I want to kind of poke in at something here around the idea of reacting to emotions. And I'm curious to how you differentiate between suppressing an emotion to try to stay non-reactive, which then makes the emotion kind of come out in other ways, passive aggression or being sad at or any of these other kind of control mechanisms, and sensing into and feeling the emotion so that the reaction that comes from the emotion is coming from a deeper part of yourself. And it's you're still responding to your environment, and it isn't what you might characterize as reactive because it's not avoiding the emotion it's actually feeling it yeah that's a really good question and i think it's a very nuanced thing right whether you're suppressing something or you're processing it and moving forward with like kind of peace and love and i would say you know when we're feeling something intensely in the moment chances are there's some element of reacting right and and of course it's not like a binary thing it's not like responding versus reacting like it's a spectrum right but we want to move more towards responding with intention as much as possible. And I think for me, the way I do it is if I'm feeling anything too intense, I try and just pause, right? And I try and just slow down, whether that means like just not saying or doing anything too extreme or even removing myself from a situation. And I allow the emotions to settle because, you know, another thing that I learned from Vipassana is everything is temporary including all of our emotions. And if you just allow, give it some time, the, the magnitude of that emotional response will come down. It's, it's pretty inevitable. And the more it comes down, the more you can start to process that with like a clearer mind. And I think that's a really important part of the process. It's like, that's where it either becomes suppressing or processing, right? Because if you don't address it at all, if you just pretend like it didn't happen, and just move on with your day and maybe just cut that person out of your life or try and minimize interaction with them, then it can become suppressing. But yeah, if you take the time to actually understand what you're feeling and why, and that could involve what we talked about, 
not so long ago, but journaling can be a really healthy part of that. I definitely use that in more intense emotional situations to really understand the root cause of our emotions. So, you know, if you're feeling angry, what what is causing that anger? It could be a sense of, you know, uh, frustration with a particular person or situation. And that could be caused by, you know, really a need you have that's not being met or something like that. And like the deeper we go through to process these emotions and understanding them, then we can we can actually move past it in a way that's um, not suppressing, but rather processing. And the difference that I would see is like, by processing it, we develop an understanding of the situation that allows us to come to peace about it, right? Whereas suppressing is basically just, you know, pushing it aside, um, but not really understanding the situation. Yeah, I think a, a further distinction can be made sometimes when we're trying to understand a feeling that can also, you know, create the feeling as an object that's separate from us and separate us from it. So there's oftentimes trying to figure it out is the very thing that prevents it from actually moving, or even more subtly, allowing the feeling to arise with the agenda of having it pass, knowing that it's going to pass, and is a subtle way of pushing it away. And so yeah, the, I think there's an interesting distinction with that with when with what you said, which is very true of when when an emotion comes up, nothing is permanent, the emotion will come up, and it will move in you, and it will shift. And then what it leaves behind is something that we've we kind of experience as an opposite opposite of the emotion if it's grief you might feel joy if it's anger you might feel clarity at the end of it and and that it's the actual feeling of the sensation the feeling and the welcoming of the actual emotional experience itself that does the transformation more so than figuring it out though you know having an understanding of yourself and when you're likely to have reactions and what might have occurred in your past to bring them is a very helpful scaffold it can also become a limiting structure. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point you bring up because oftentimes when we experience these emotions, there's a lot of resistance to it, right? And we're like, we ask ourselves, why am I feeling this? I don't want to be feeling this. Like, I wish this didn't happen, right? And and that in itself becomes something that limits our ability to process them. And like you said, if we see these emotions as something that is not that we don't identify with, but rather just something that's happening, right? And something that we're experiencing. Um, it becomes a whole different relationship. It becomes rather than, you know, why is this happening? I don't want this to happen. It becomes, what can I learn from this? And I think when you have the mindset of what can I learn from this about myself and about other people, and that ultimately this emotion is going to lead me to a deeper level of understanding of the world and myself, it becomes almost like an opportunity and something to be grateful for rather than something to resist. And I think if we can cultivate that mindset, um, it becomes a lot more, uh, it becomes a lot easier to process these things in a healthy way rather than when we resist it and we just want it to end or we want it to go away. Yeah, beautiful. So to close this out, tell me, tell me a little bit about how your life has shifted since you've been deepening into this practice and what what is your life like now relative to before that dark period that you went through yeah i would say so much has changed right uh but you know relating to this like everything that we've been talking about here there's like one sort of idea that i really like that has helped me kind of navigate you know both ups and downs in my life with much more sort of 
poise and, and calmness. And I would say there's this concept of anti-fragile. I mean, have you heard of this concept before? Yeah, I've heard of the book with that title and the concept in general. Yeah. Yeah. And so like the idea is, I mean, I think it's it's actually written by like mathematics and just like systems, like a person. But I find it that it applies to people just as well, right? And the idea behind... All of life, really. Yeah, exactly. It's the only way life has survived all this time. Exactly. And so just for people who maybe not be familiar with it, you know, something that's fragile is something that when, you know, a shock comes to the system, it kind of becomes worse or shatters, right? So you could think of a cup, you know, when a cup falls off of a a table and it hits the ground, it just shatters and it's no longer as good as it was before. Or you can think of like a matchstick, like a fire, when like some wind comes, it just blows out and the fire's gone. So this is something that we would consider fragile. And while many may think that, you know, what would be anti-fragile is the cup not breaking or the match not going out, that's actually just something that's robust or stable. Something that's anti-fragile is actually something that gets better when this shock comes. So you could think of like a bonfire or a forest fire that when wind comes, rather than being put out, it gets bigger, right? We've all seen like when you air a fire that like it actually roars even bigger than it was before. And and so like when this like external shock comes, it's it's getting better. And I think this applies across the board in life, but I find it really helpful when thinking about myself and my life, which is that you know, when there's a shock that comes to my system, it could be a breakup, it could be the loss of a job, it could be an injury or, or whatever. I see that as, I see what comes after that. I see that shock making me better and growing more and stronger. And that's what it has been. When I look back at all the difficult moments in my life, all the shocks that have come, a lot of growth has come from that. And I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for those shocks. And so now when something happens that's unpleasant or difficult or, yeah, something that I just maybe didn't want, undesirable, I look at that and rather than being disappointed or sad or resisting it in any way, I actually welcome it. I'm actually almost excited for what comes after that. And it takes a lot of sort of mental gymnastics to to really get to that point. But I think if we consistently reinforce this narrative in our mind and we, we look at our past and realize, wait, actually all of the growth or all of the significant growth have come from the significant struggles that I've had. And in fact, the more significant struggle, the more significant growth that came from that, it's really, um, for me now, it's really hard to look at difficult things as negative right i look at difficult things with in in like conjunction with all the growth that comes after it and that growth is so positive that i can't look at it as a negative thing in fact i look at it as something to welcome into my life at this point yeah which might even be including the experiences of disappointment and sadness and resistance as all part of this experience that is making you who you are and who you are becoming exactly exactly so for me now i guess the biggest difference is that no matter what experience comes my way, it could be something super pleasant and desirable and fun, which I just enjoy, or it could be the exact opposite, something really negative. You know, it could be someone passing away or it could be an injury or losing a job or something else. But I'm able to kind of move through these things without resistance because I don't see them, any of them as negative, right? Like anything difficult 
has so much positive that comes after that. And anything that's, you know, great in the moment is obviously just great. And so for me, it's just allowed me to maintain like a level-headedness, a calmness throughout everything that happens because I really don't see anything negative or what others see as negative. I, I generally don't see it as negative or something to resist. I, I welcome it into my life because I'm excited for my future self that will result from the difficult experience. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us, Amir. I really love this conversation and looking forward to each of our next learning experiences, whatever they may be. Yeah, thank you so much, Brad. It's been such a pleasure talking about all this with you. 